Oh shit, are we recording? What's up? This is the Fuck the Status Quo podcast. I am your host, Ellie Blake, and this is a place where we discuss getting your shit together. Why? Because the more people on the planet getting their shit together and being the best version of themselves means the less assholes there are. I'm down for that. Are you down for that? All right, let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Fuck the Status Quo podcast. It's your host, Ellie here. I don't know why I always have to tell you guys that at the beginning, but I guess it's like an unspoken podcasting rule. So maybe I'll just start giving myself completely made up names every episode from now on. Yeah, that sounds fun. Mm, That does sound good. And hella confusing at the same time. I mean, it's all right. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fuck the Status Quo podcast. It's your host, Eleanor. (laughs) Shout out to all the new people listening who are like, what in the actual fuck did I just get myself into? (laughs) Anyway... Today, I interview Kelly Moore, who is a fellow podcaster, but she and her husband, Love a Power Couple, took it a step further and started Soulfire, which started as a podcast production company and has now turned into just a full-blown media house. So naturally, we talk about that for like five minutes and then talk about eating mushrooms, our duty as women in our 30s to educate and protect the younger generation. And all about Kelly's past life as a TV host working for ESPN straight out of college. She was an it girl who seemingly had a dream life living in LA, but she left all that shit behind. And now she's fucking thriving, you guys. Sometimes your dream life turns out to be an actual nightmare, but it all just adds to the human experience, baby. Let's welcome Kelly Moore to the podcast. I Damn said right. let's. Like, say that shit out loud or in your head or something. Let's go. What's up, Kelly? Welcome to the Fuck the Status Quo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. What is the best thing you've ever done for yourself? Oh, for Mother's Day this year, I think my daughter was five months old. I checked myself into a hotel room and left my husband and her at home. And I stayed at the Four Seasons in Denver. And I ordered room service and I drank wine in the bath and I was asleep by nine o'clock and truly the best thing I ever did for myself because my God, I've never been so exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love the honesty. That sounds so relaxing. (laughs) It was great. I highly recommend it for everyone. Child or no child, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Okay. What state do you live in? Colorado. Okay. So it's local-ish to you. I'm like, did you just like jet set across the country? Like, all right, bye. (laughs) No, yeah, I drove 30 minutes and I was like, this is far enough. This feels good for my first night away from my kid and my husband can handle it. He's an amazing, hands-on, awesome dad. And he loved it. It was so cute. He didn't sleep, but he had the best time. You know, he'll be all right. He'll survive. The memories will last forever, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) He's probably very excited to have you back too. Like, finally. Literally, he was. I was on the way back because I told him, don't text me unless it's an actual emergency. And he left me alone until like 9 a.m. the next morning. He's like, um, hi, when are you going to be back? And I'm like, I'm on my way back. I have coffee for you in the car. He's like, okay, good. I have coffee for you. Okay, I feel like especially like first time fathers and I don't have any kids. So this is just my what I've witnessed is they're like, if you leave them with that new baby, 
they're like a puppy dog. Like when oh, you yeah. leave and they're like, when you come back, when you coming back, I thought you'd never come back, you know, just yeah. like tripping out. That's what it seems like. It cracks well, me. I mean, babies, like when they're that little, if you're breastfeeding, they need the boob, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even, she, well, she was on bottles by that point, but with breast milk. And so they're just so reliant on you. So he's like, in an emergency, what do I do? Because she only wants you and she only wants the boob, you know? So that he just panics because he's like, I, usually I can fix things. But in this, I feel like I really don't have the resources. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, I can't help you out here. Yeah. I've seen pictures of her on the gram. I'm obsessed with her hair. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Everywhere it is we so go. Thick and so cute. Oh my gosh. I, I just want to, like, can you send me some of your baby's hair? Is that weird to ask someone? Literally. Like, I hey. should. She has plenty to go around. It's nuts. She everywhere we go, we get stopped, and it's so funny. And she also just mm. looks so much older because she's very tall. I'm six one. My husband's six four. She's really tall and has a ton of hair and she's very interactive for a seven month old. So everyone thinks she's like 18 months old. It's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) So cute. I saw her. I'm like, she is so adorable. I want some of that. I got a lot of hair. You do. So it'll be relatable. She can call me and I'll be like, girl, I know. (laughs) Yes. Longest braids, thickest braids. Yeah. That's going to be ridiculous. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. So. You're new to the mom life. What were you doing before mom life? Pretty much what I'm doing now. I just added a baby in. So I was a TV host for 15 years, lived in LA, moved to Colorado with my now husband, Connor, about four years ago. And we started our production company, Soulfire Productions. So we produce podcasts. Yes. We both have podcasts ourselves. So we've been doing that. I still do that. Now I just have a nanny and help and work and then I'm home with her as well. So yeah. So whose idea was it to start Soulfire? It was mine. So when I first launched my podcast, I had come out of the TV space. So I knew production really well. I understood media, what looks good, what sounds good, all of that. And I was working with this production company on my show and they were terrible. And it was all guys. They didn't care about my vision or introducing me to people, community details. It was a fucking hot mess. And I just got to this point where I was like, I feel like I could do this better. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I know I can do it better than this shit show. And so I brought it to my husband and he had launched a really successful podcast for someone else in Austin years before. He had been a podcaster forever. So he really knew like the back end of how the industry worked. Okay, nice. And then I brought in a girl who's no longer with us, but she was at the production company I had been with and she was great and I loved her, but I didn't really get to work with her. We brought her in to start the company with us. And the whole thing for us was focusing on detail and community and transparency. It's like, how can we create a really amazing environment for hosts where you don't have to worry about all this, the logistics and the back end stuff. And we'll handle all creatives for you. And we'll do marketing and strategy and all of the content. And you can focus on just being the freaking host and then getting your show into the right hands. And it really took off from there and, and has just sort of become this media house. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of content creation, a lot of strategy, a lot of business coaching, a lot of like one-off consulting for people who have podcasts but don't work with us. So it's really cool to see how it sort of evolved. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I was telling my husband earlier, I'm like, the question that I get asked most since starting a podcast is about podcasting. Like it seems like so many people are interested in starting one. And what I tell him is, For me, I started the podcast because I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted it to be fun for me. I already have my greeting card business. It takes up a shit ton of time. I was like, if I just add another job to myself, it's not going to last that long. So I started out with hiring that extra help 
um, in the background to take care of stuff. And like, people just don't want to hear that answer. And I'm like, okay, well, I read somewhere when I was researching like podcasting and launching mine that most podcasts like fall off after like episode seven or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so I'm like, okay, well, if that's your goal, you know, if you want to not make it past that magic number seven, then cool. Don't have anyone help you do it all yourself. Like if I had to sit there and edit my shit and hell no, (laughs) no, no, there's over 5 million podcasts in the app, but on any given day, there's only a hundred to 350,000 that are actually active. So that shows you how many people start a podcast and then all of a sudden they're done. It is so much work. There's so much strategy that goes into it. And there's just so much about the industry that you cannot Google. And yeah. that's why it's for us, it's nice because we on any given day have, you know, 30-ish clients that we're doing production for or strategy, or we do a launch where we take a show from nothing and launch you in eight weeks and then we give it to you for your team to do. So we have so many clients that we get to see what actually works and what doesn't work and how there's a variety of ways to go about it. If you don't have that insight, you're literally throwing spaghetti at a wall and it just becomes really daunting. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So do you only help people launch like new podcasts or do you have people that are like, help me with my podcast? It sucks right now. (laughs) Yeah. We do a lot of the, my shit sucks right now. Um, That's a lot of our strategy and consulting work. So we do launch a lot of new podcasts, but we also um, have people come to us and they're like, I've been doing this for three years. It's not growing. I'm stagnant. How do I monetize? What am I missing? And we'll do a full rebrand. So we do all design work as well. So we'll do a full rebrand. We'll go in, we'll listen to your episodes. We'll take a look at like from a holistic perspective, your business, your social media, the podcast itself, where are the holes? What's not working? What can we identify on our end? And then we just ask a lot of penetrating questions so that we can get to the heart of what works, what doesn't, and how to really make this strategic in a way that can work for you rather than being this thing that you do and you pour all your time and energy into and you have no return on it. Yeah. People just give up after a certain amount of time of being like, I'm not getting anything from this, you know, but also I guess it really just depends on like, what's your intention and starting the podcast anyway. Because I think a lot of people, at least from my experiences, they go into it and they just expect to have all these sponsors and like people are going to be re I'm like, sponsor yourself, like start your own business and sponsor that on your podcast. People just don't want to hear that type of shit. No, everyone wants to be Joe Rogan and given a bunch of money and get 12 million downloads an episode or something obscene. And that's just not the majority of podcasts. Most podcasts, at least the ones that are active are small to medium sized podcasts. So 500 to 2,500 downloads an episode everyone else is like in this 1%. There's a massive gap. So the majority of shows out there are actually very small. And when you have brands that are looking to sponsor shows, they're usually looking for 10,000 downloads plus per episode. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the majority of shows. That doesn't mean you can't have a successful podcast. I have many clients who get 1,500, 2,000 downloads an episode who are making multi-millions of dollars with their business using the podcast strategically to gain more clients, to fill up their programs, and they sell really well. And so you just have to be smart. If you go in without a plan, you're like, I'm just going to try this thing. I literally can tell you with certainty, 100% of the time, it's not going to work. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I appreciate you keeping it real, though. I've noticed that about you. I'm like, she keeps it real. And I appreciate this shit. And you cuss. I'm like, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Our nanny was like, she's 19. She's so cute. I love her. She's like my little sister. And uh, she said yesterday, she goes, you know, 
I'm here on a Friday and I'm watching this baby and you guys are on mushrooms and you guys cuss all the time. She's like, I really feel like there's nothing I could say that you would be offended by or worried that I'm saying in front of your child. I'm like, yep, pretty much. Yeah. I said, you can right. say whatever you need to. <laughs> That's amazing. I microdosed on Sunday. It was my first time trying microdosing. To be honest, I didn't really feel much, but I was less irritable when talking with my mother. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> I a notice win. that. I was like, yeah. We get along. We just, you know, it's mom stuff. So I did notice that I was like, oh, I wonder how her day's going. And I was like, hmm, strange. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd this come from? So that's awesome. I like microdosing. It's like, um, I feel like it lifts anxiety and it makes me just more chill and playful, Mm -hmm. especially in motherhood. You know, I'm like exhausted and it's always something going on. And I just feel like it's just this lightness that it infuses into your life. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I love that the stigma around it is changing. I was scared to do it the first time I did mushrooms, but because I did it a little backwards and I tried acid before I tried mushrooms. Uh, So I was like, this is going to be nuts like this acid trip was. Like, no, I'm good. I don't really want to do that. So I just didn't do it for a long time. Most of my friends had tried it at this point. So I tried them with my husband for the first time. And this was like a few years ago. And we had so much fun. We were just watching some documentary about space and we're like crying laughing. Oh my God, that's awesome. And now I'm like, I love mushrooms. They're so fun. I just have a good time. I appreciate the present moment more. I think that that's what it is for me because I'm like a hustle and grind bitch at times. Like go, go, go. And it really helps me to just like, okay, here's where we're at. Let's enjoy. Oh, I've named trees. I'll walk around and name the tree. Oh, yeah. You quickly become a tree hugger if you do enough mushrooms, which I kind of love. Yeah. I'm like, I understand literally one of the times I tripped last summer. I was like, I understand why they call them tree huggers now. I'm like, I love these guys. That's so awesome. (laughs) That's amazing. Anyway, I love that for you and your husband. I love that Thank it was you. Friday and you guys were eating shrooms. That sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious on like, what's your opinion of like, I guess this is two questions. Why do you think podcasting is like the big thing right now? And why do you think so many people want to start a podcast? Yeah, you know, I think it really took off in 2020 and we've seen it fall off since then because everyone and their grandmother was bored and stuck at home. I think one, the intimacy of podcasting is really special. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you been in a shower or in your car or cooking dinner, hanging out with friends and you're listening to a podcast? It's like you take a host into your most intimate aspects of your life and you create a relationship with them. And, you know, I host a solo podcast, so I don't do interviews anymore. And so for my listeners, it feels like I'm talking directly to them. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to their experience. They feel so seen in what I'm saying and what I'm sharing. And it's like when I do have that conversation, I'm having that with my listener. Even though it's thousands of people, it feels like I'm just talking to one person, you know? And I think that you don't get that anywhere else. You don't get to know someone in that intimate way. You don't get to be in conversation in that way, really in any other medium. Books, you can feel immersed into an experience, but I you know, I don't think that it's the same way as this audible or video because there's a lot of video podcasts now. I don't think it's the same as that experience. And a lot of podcasters are people who are coaches and therapists and have programs or offerings or whatever it is. And so it's such an easy way to invite people into your space for them to get to know you and want to work with you on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's created a lot of opportunities for people's businesses if you're strategic about it 
that a podcast can work so well for you and so seamlessly because it's again, it's like you're telling your best friend about this really cool thing and you're sharing your program and you're saying, this is amazing. I love it. This is how it can benefit you. You share the value and people feel that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that podcasting has really tapped into something socially that nothing else ever has. And I think that, you know, there's probably too many people with podcasts. If I'm being honest, I always say not everyone needs a podcast. I've had clients come to us. And one of the first things I ask is, you know, why, why a podcast? Why now? And some people are like, yeah, I don't listen to podcasts. No, my audience has never asked me to have a podcast. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't have one. But they think that they're supposed to, right? And I've also had clients who are terrible on camera. They're not good at speaking. They're really bad interviewers. And I'm like, this is not the medium for you. And so I think that people feel like they're supposed to have one. And I think too many people fall into that trap and they're not ready to commit at that level. And then I also think that people realize that it is a really powerful space. And if you do it right, it can work really well for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like what you said, supposed to, because... I will find myself being like, okay, you know, Threads just came out, this new app, like I should be on there, this is the new app, or this, I should. So like should and supposed to is kind of one and the same to me. It's like, stop, you don't know, you don't have to. Do you want to? Okay, then do it. But don't do something just because you feel like you are supposed to, or you should do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are just the kinds of people that are with anything, not just podcasting, they're going to lose interest pretty quick. And the second that it gets somewhat like difficult or shit, I don't know what to talk about today. They're just not going to do it anymore. I don't know. I'm just like a cocky, um, like I have a lot of pride and I'm not going to start something, especially something very public like a podcast and then just like fall off and not do it. So I'm glad that I have like that aspect of it. But I mean, some people, I guess, are just okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's personalities are different, right? I do think that podcasting is a long game. If you're not willing to play the game for a long time and put yourself out there and show up every day and be committed to that, then it's not the right medium for you. I would say stick to social media. If you're a blogger, maybe that's easier for you. But if you can't show up all the time for this, it is not for you. Yeah. I'm curious to hear about your life as a TV host, too. Tell me about that. You worked with sports teams, yes? Yeah, I did the Lakers and the Dodgers. That's right. How'd you get into that? Um, I was an athlete. I played volleyball at USC, and I always wanted to be on TV since I was really young, and it just sort of naturally happened. Um, I was interning in college. I went to USC on purpose, not just because I had a volleyball scholarship and they were one of the best teams in the country, but they also had an amazing broadcast department, and so... I had access to huge names in the business and I got to work for ABC and Fox and have all these really cool internships at a young age. And then when I um, got to my senior year, I started working for Fox Sports and then ESPN hired me right after I graduated at 21. And so I just started working my way up in the business and I, I ended up getting the Lakers and Dodgers job at 25 and 26. And it was huge and it was awesome. And it was really special and I hated it and I hated my life and I hated my body and I was being sexually assaulted. And I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. And I woke up one day and looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I don't recognize myself and this is not okay. Yeah. So I ended up leaving and it was 100% the best decision I ever made. Very hard. I was well-known, making a shit ton of money, got a lot of attention and was living the life in LA. And I was just like, no, thanks none of this is worth it, you know? And I had to really sit down and like 
think about my worth and my value as a young woman and what is it that I really wanted and not to live for other people and live for attention and validation, but what do I actually want out of life? Yeah. That's amazing that you were able to like step outside of yourself and be like, hold up, this ain't working. Yeah. (laughs) Like, wait one second. We interrupt this sweet ass podcast episode for a message from our sponsor. Hey bitches, it's me again. Are you tired of all the lame-ass greeting cards you see in the store? Would you rather send your loved one something that's fucking hilarious with cuss words and potentially insulting? Well shit, you in the right place then! Head over to AsToldByEllie.com where you will find the best fucking greeting cards on the internet. And as a listener of this podcast, I got a discount code for you guys. Waffles will get you 15% off. Again, that's as told by Ellie.com, discount code waffles. And now back to the show. And I think college does this to people too. It's really easy to get caught up in, you know, the job that you think has like the most, you know, ESPN, that's a big name to be like, okay, here's this professional job. Like I did the right thing, right? This is what I was supposed to do is go to college and study so that this could happen. And then it all just becomes fucked. So I'm sorry that you had that experience. I have to say, I'm not surprised to hear it unfortunately (laughs) but i mean yeah tell me about that like i don't want to like bring you back to like a dark place to say that but just like what were some of your thoughts where you were like i can do better and like how did you start to like make that shift of like okay this girl isn't happy like let's try something else yeah i think it was a lot of little moments that led to sort of like this pinnacle um I had people like make small comments to me that really cared about me and had my best interests. Like, Mm -hmm. why are you wearing that? And why did you do that? And it really forced me to start questioning my own actions and my own responses to things and how I was showing up. And what I realized is that a lot of these people were trying to tell me that you're worth more than this, Kelly. You have more value than this. Stop caring so fucking much about how you look and what you're wearing and what your hair looks like. And I was just in an industry that that's all that mattered. If I didn't dress slutty enough, I got in trouble. If I dressed too slutty, I got in trouble. If my hair was back a certain way, my ears showed it was a problem. If I stood like this, if I said that, I was always under scrutiny and it was never enough. And I realized that during this time, I also had chronic illness for about 15 years. And I realized that the illness was such a manifestation of me living for other people and never taking care of myself. I never once was like, what do I want? It was like, what do all these people want? And how can I check all these boxes and make sure that I've pleased them? Mm -hmm. And when I started to get quiet and like ask myself hard questions and say, why are you doing this? Why do you care about that? I didn't really have a lot of answers. And so I had to get out of it and I had to step away in order to gain that clarity and get out of like that toxic environment that just was running rampant in my life, in my body. And it was when Harvey Weinstein and all that stuff came out is when I realized that what had been happening was not okay and that I could speak up for myself and that other women also went through this. And I couldn't live with myself anymore after that. It was like I felt sick and I felt like I had to say something. I had to speak up for myself and everything after that changed. Yeah. I remember those moments. That was like a really powerful time as well, where I confronted somebody from my past that had assaulted me when I was a kid. And, you know, I don't like I never thought that I would reach out to I didn't reach out to him. It was his wife, actually. But I never thought that I would do that. And when all of that was going on and just like 
the emotions of all these women being like, yeah, it happened to me too. And people finally being like, oh shit, I guess guys do this. Like, yeah, we've been telling you, you don't believe us. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's really hard to, I can only imagine like being that young and being in an industry like that. Like I, I mean, I worked at Hooters and like strip clubs and stuff, but the image and as a very young girl, for one, you just take it way more seriously. I think once you definitely once you hit 30, I just turned 30. I'm like, I don't really give a fuck anymore. <laughs> Literally. Well, and it's like, you know, the joke of you sleep your way to the top. And I'm fortunate I didn't do that and never had mm-hmm. to or wanted to. But it is a huge part of all these industries in any entertainment industry, probably in a lot of others that I don't know about. Um, I think that that's what happens. And there's a lot of manipulation of young women. And you feel like, well, if I don't do this, then how am I ever going to live this dream? This person has all this power. And it's hard to say no when you're young, when you don't have a really clear sense of self, when you don't know how to say no And when you're living in a state of fear and you justify a lot of things and we like attention and we want people to like us and we want men to give us attention and tell us we're attractive. And so it's a really confusing time. If that happened to me now, I would tell them to suck a bag of dicks and probably kick them in the face. Like, just like you, I don't fucking care. I'm 35. You can go to hell. I didn't have that ability at that time, you know? So I feel for young girls because I understand it's like you're really towing the line and you really want something so bad and you justify doing things or you allow people to treat you certain ways because you think, well, this is just part of what I have to do in order to get to where I want. And that's why I talk about this is because I want people to understand, no, you actually don't have to do that. You don't need to allow people to treat you that way or to not have boundaries or to never say no, because you deserve more than that. You are worth more. You have more value. And if that means leaving the industry for your own mental health, well-being, then fucking go do it. Yeah. I think it's just really hard for people when they get uh, like stuck in those types of situations. You know what I mean? Like, You see your friend going through something like that and you're like, dude, what the fuck? Just quit or just move or break up with the guy or whatever it is. But it's like when it's yourself in there, it's so hard to, first of all, like look outside of yourself and be like, okay, this is a problem. So I think it's very important for like, you know, I feel like some sort of duty now that I'm in my 30s. Like, all right, we got to talk to these younger girls and tell them like, hey, no, this shit isn't okay. No, you don't have to put up with that. No, your manager can't tell you that at work. Like, And I wish that I had somebody when I was that age or a podcast that I could listen to. You know what I mean? Of just like, is this okay? Okay, it's not okay. Like, I'm not tripping. Because I think a lot of times people try to, women are crazy. Women are emotional. Like, she's being dramatic. And it's like, no, this dude just sexually assaulted me. Like, why are you guys being so chill about this? So Exactly. Yeah, it's a shifting of the standard and the narrative at large. And I do feel like it is the responsibility of women like us and those ahead of us to make sure that young girls feel like they do have a safe space where they can come and talk. My last couple years in sports, I told all the girls that were younger than me, I said, if anyone ever fucking does anything to you, you come to me. I am a safe space. I will protect you. I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted them to understand that. And that's before I ever even came forward with what had happened, because I wanted them to know that I was a safe harbor for them, that they could come to me with literally anything. I would protect them. I would speak up for them. I would probably punch someone for them because no one had done that for me. And I never felt that from anyone. If anything, things would happen and people would laugh and make a joke about it. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want that. And it's up to us. If we don't break a cycle, then who's going to do it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. We got to teach these kids. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. I was listening to your podcast. I checked out some episodes. 
I wanted to talk to you about human design because I love when I meet people that first of all know what it is, but then also like incorporate it in your business. And you said that your husband's a projector and everybody you work with is a projector. And my daughter now. I'm a projector. So just why, do you, why do you love us so much? Just Dude, I don't know. We were just in a team meeting and we, everyone was laughing. They're like, I can't believe Ro is a projector too. I'm like, yeah, I know you guys. <laughs> I don't know. What is it about me? I just feel like I'm a manifester and I am really good at the ideation and I come up with the big visions and the idea and I kind of like, wave my wand and I'm like, make it happen. And then mm -hmm. everyone makes it happen. And I feel like all the projectors are really amazing at doing that. I have some generators, but I don't know. It's like all of you are really good at implementation and like seeing a vision through. Whereas I like have the vision and then I kind of want nothing to do with it after that. Yeah. I mean, we need all of everybody, but I hear you. Yeah. Sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well connor and i are like what the fuck's wrong with you like why don't you get it and then i'm like oh yeah because you're like this like i got it yeah. how did you first hear about human design do you remember my best friend is a human design reader Ooh. her name's katie calder she's human design lady love that and yeah she's just incredible and i've had many readings with her and she i literally texted her the other day i was like can you remind me how i best work because I work in spurts. I don't have the energy to do it all the time. And so I just came up with three programs yesterday and I was laughing because I have not wanted to do anything for the last three or four months. And she was like, yeah, you work in spurts and you can't force it and you have to just go with it when it comes and then let it go when it's not there. Ooh. And I kind of just needed that reminder and permission slip because I'm hard on myself. I'm like, why can't you do this? Like, why can't yeah. you just be consistent all the time? And this, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. You sound like a recovering perfectionist like me. I'm also that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, we should make t-shirts. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Recovering perfectionist club. Uh, mm -hmm. That's so cool though. I learned about human design in this uh, life coaching course that I took. And so they kind of taught us all about that. And it was like one of those, I've taken, you know, personality quizzes and I know a little bit, I'm a, an Aquarius, but I was like, eh, you know, kind of took it with a grain of salt, never really took anything too seriously. And then I learned about my human design and I was like, holy shit, how did someone even put all these things in words about me? And like, oh, right. they knew that part too. Like, so yeah, for anybody listening who's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? What is human design? I don't even know. How, it's astrology. Like, it's like astrology plus, plus more, right? It's like astrology on steroids. Really? It's like astrology on mushrooms. <laughs> yes. That's a great way to put it. I like the Enneagram and human design. Mm -hmm. I feel like the two of those help me understand myself the best, how I work, how I relate to other people. I mean, one of the biggest impacts it had in our business is this girl who used to work with us, who's no longer with us. She's also a projector. Duh. And I was asking the team questions during team meetings and I was expecting answers immediately. And they were all just looking at me like dumbfounded. And I had a call with her and she's like, hey, can I help you? And I was like, sure. And she goes, we're all projectors. We don't want to be asked a question and expected to answer it immediately. We need time. We need you to invite us into the conversation and then we'll come to you when we have an answer. And I'm like, oh, that's so weird because I just have answers immediately all the time. That's so manifesto of me, but I didn't understand other people don't. And so when I started just saying, hey, guys, here's a question. 
think about it, come back to me, the whole business changed because they were so excited to come forward with ideas and answers. And they felt like they could really take ownership of it rather than me just spitballing at them and expecting stuff. And then they felt like, oh God, I don't have an answer right now. There's something wrong with me. So it really empowered both of us in our communication. And so now that's how I run the company. I never expect answers immediately. Yeah. That's really cool. You're probably the second or third person I've had on this podcast that's like, I incorporate human design like with my hiring process and like people Mm -hmm. that I choose as my employees. And I'm like, wow. I mean, it's really fascinating just to learn about yourself, but also like you're saying how to interact with other people and just realizing like, oh, wow, like we are truly very different. Like I was reading, you know, after I looked at my charts and everything, I looked at my husband's and I'm like, oh, like this makes sense why he responds this way to, you know what I mean? It's very in-depth and I wasn't expecting that from it. I think I can definitely get pretty woo-woo if I want to, but like I said, I still need a little bit of like logical reasoning in a lot of things. So that's why I was kind of always took like astrology with a grain of salt but human design i was like wow like there's no way that all of these things can be like this accurate and it not be from somewhere else obviously it's pretty fascinating i could talk about human design all day it is yeah well you should have katie on your show she's fucking fantastic okay i loved her you have to send me her info i will yeah i'll connect you guys yeah i'll put her in the show notes too if anybody wants to learn their human design from katie So what are your next plans? What's going on with Soulfire that you have coming up or what are you excited about right now? Yeah. Um. So we just went through a full rebrand. I hired a new director of growth and we made a lot of just kind of structural changes to the company. We had just been podcast production for so long and we really moved into this media house concept. So we're working with higher level clients where we're doing more. So we're running their brand, social media, creating all their content, going really in-depth with strategy on the show and their business at large, and just really helping people sort of capitalize on content in general. Because what we just see is that people do a podcast, but then it kind of just dies. Like, What else do you do with it? And so Mm -hmm. how can we create more content out of it? How can we get more clear on messaging? How can we make it work better for your business? So we're doing really high level work in that way and then offering different types of, of offers. So Like I said, we can launch your show. We do consulting. um, We'll do production on a monthly basis. And then we have a pod course that we re-released. So really trying to serve clients at every level of where they are and every price point, because we know not everyone can afford $3,000 a month of production, but taking a $500, $600 course with everything we do and sharing that with people is awesome because it empowers you. It gives you answers. Like I said, you can't Google So I'm just excited for the growth of the company and just the visibility and the rebrand. It feels really fresh and new. Um, So that's kind of what we're doing with that. And I'm excited because I've been like probably neck deep. I was going to say waist deep, but that's not true. I've been neck deep in the business (laughs) um, in all these changes. And I'm excited to sort of step back again a little bit. And just focus more on my brand and The Naked Mama, which is my podcast. And OK Babe is the show I do with my husband. And that's kind of gone on hiatus because we've had a lot of life things. I had pretty bad postpartum depression. We had a really rough birth. And then our daughter just got out of the hospital. So we just haven't been able to do the show. It's just not been the priority. So I'm excited to bring that back. It's really fun. And um, yeah, that's kind of where we are. And then, you know, we did IVF. So we're going to be doing that again for baby number two next year. So just trying to heal my prolapse and get my bladder back inside my vagina so that I can do it all again. I hope that works out for you. (laughs) Thanks. Me too. I feel like if I keep fingering myself and just push it back in, it'll happen. 
you never know. Well, let me know how that works out. This is what I, I have to look forward to, huh? It is. Yeah. Here. Oh, my other piece of advice for you. Do pelvic floor therapy before and during your pregnancy so that you have a strong pelvic floor when you give birth so that you don't have a prolapse. Really important. Okay. No one told me that and I'm really fucking mad. I didn't know what a pelvic floor therapist was. I just heard about it for the first time like a month ago. And my mom was like, you should go to one. And I was like, what is that? And now I'm like, okay, it's legit. I should have no, listened really to mom. But, yeah, okay. do it. Just go one time, get the exercises, have them analyze you and just be diligent about it. I promise you will be grateful. Okay. Another thing we can make t-shirts. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to like send you all these random ass fucking t-shirts. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't need a greeting card company. You can have a t-shirt company now. Exactly. You're very welcome. Working on it. This podcast gives me so many t-shirt ideas. I should probably do that. I'm going to do probably that. should. Yeah. yeah. Like quotes from the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It was so nice oh, to meet you. Thank you for having me. I need pictures of your face for social media, by the way. All right. You got it. <laughs> thank you. I hope you have a good day. Thanks, you too. Bye. That's it for another episode of the Fuck the Status Quo podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys like what I'm doing here. If not, then live your life, man. Set yourself free from my voice. I mean, why have you even gotten this far? (laughs) But if you know someone who would enjoy listening to this, please share this episode with them or post it to your story. Or you can go fucking bananas and run around town telling everybody that you run into. And then leave this podcast review because it really helps to get the word out there and help other people find this podcast. So that's it. That's my plug. Be a good person by leaving a review. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys in the next one.